Well, did you hear that, Darren? What was that? Do you, do you hear that? Can you hear Peyton Manning right now? <laughs> Omaha, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. I was about to say, no, I can't. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but now I do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports, the games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you are listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family, and we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. Welcome back, listeners, to the beginning of hurricane season and another episode of the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. <laughs> I don't know that they're related in any way, but they're both happening at the same time. And I think there was a hurricane at the site of every single uh, super regional that wasn't in California this weekend. I believe that's the case as well. <laughs> so true, Darren. You would think that people would realize what the weather is like in the South. Oh, you would this think. This time of year, you don't schedule a game in the middle of the afternoon. Yep. And if you're the NCAA, weather in the South should not be a surprise to you. You've done this before. It shouldn't catch you off guard, <laughs> you would think. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Exactly. Well, we've got a lot of baseball to talk about today. I want to give a shout out before we get going to Andrew McCutcheon from the Pittsburgh Pirates. A class act. That organization has been through so much since the great years, the early 90s, where you had Bonds and Bonilla and Van Slyke, and that city has suffered through some horrific teams, horrible yes. records, and they have something to celebrate. Andrew McCutcheon, 2,000 hits. Congratulations to him That's and awesome. the Pirates franchise. Speaking of success, though, Darren, we have to start with the Oklahoma Sooners softball team. Yep. This is a legit dynasty oh, they definitely. just captured their third national championship in a row their sixth in the past 10 years their total number of seven national championships they're on a 53 game winning streak and it all starts with patty grasso the coach in her 29th season what an incredible dynasty that she's built and you know the amazing thing is the fact that this is she's 29 seasons in and, and still and having this type of success, doing it on, on this level, uh, you know, it's just a, it's really an incredible story from every angle. When you see her and how much she still loves the sport and loves what she's doing, when you hear her players talk and the way they represent both themselves and the university, and then you see the way things, the way they do things on the field and how successful they are, it's a really, really awesome story from every angle. It's not talked about a whole lot, but um, you can't overlook. Uh, dynasties are so hard to build. Yes, yes. No matter what the sport is. Yep, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, that's the thing. I think sometimes when it's a sport we don't follow as much, we maybe let that allow us to lessen the meaning a little bit. But I think what you just said is is enormously important. It does not matter what sport we're talking about, how many people are involved in that sport, how many people follow that sport. If you hit a, a level of success in that activity, whatever it is, where you where people throw around the word dynasty because you've done it two and three and four and five times, it is not easy 
to attain, and it should be celebrated uh, just like this is this is for for this team and, and this coach at Oklahoma. So congratulations to the University of Oklahoma yes. softball women's softball team on a terrific run, another great season in the books. Yes. On the flip side of that successful and heartwarming story is <laughs> the state of the XFL, Oof. which reports came out this week. I believe Darren said lost in excess of 60 million. Yes, that's correct. The official numbers are a little over $60 million. It was lost during the first year. And, and that's honestly just not overly surprising. You know, when, when the, when the league owns every single team, so the league is responsible for every facet of payroll, uh, for every facet of venue rental of merchandising, you know, all of that is coming straight from the league office. Uh, and of course, as we know, that's, that's, uh, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson and, and, and his group, but, so it's not oh, it's not overly surprising that they lost money, but still that number is a uncomprehendable <laughs> number that they lost sixty million dollars in in one in that first year. But in response to it, Dwayne the Rock Johnson did come out and said, "Well, yeah, uh, we kind of saw that coming. We we knew we were going to lose money." Uh, of course, I think if he's were to be a honest, he would say we didn't think we would lose that much. Maybe, nonetheless, we, we lost that money. Uh, but we are going to have a season two. That is already in the books. We have secured funding for multiple seasons. I believe is the way he said it. So you know, even though they lost sixty million dollars this first year, the awesome part of this is the fact that they are, as of now planning on a second season, which makes this the single most successful iteration of the XFL to exist because they've never made it to a second season. So uh, pretty impressive <laughs> that they're still planning on doing that, that they've got the funding secured. Uh, and, and you know, it looks like even though they lost money, they really did some things that are going to get some people's attention and hopefully will be something they can build on for that second season. I mean, ultimately, they're building to the point where they have gotten enough attention that they become an NFL minor league and, you know, NFL buys them out or buys a majority ownership stake in it or so. That, that's what they're moving toward anyway. So I, I don't think it ultimately matters on the front end exactly how much money they lose. But nonetheless, if they move forward and do have that second season, that's going to be extremely successful, even with the loss of money, comparative to the first and second attempts of the XFL and how they went. The XFL lost so much money that The Rock is going back on his commitment to never appear in another Fast and Furious movie. He's back <laughs> in the franchise, folks. Losing $60 million will do that. It will test your convictions. You'll change your mind. He's actually in a post credit scene in the new Fast and Furious movie. And he's contact contracted through Fast and the Furious, I think, 30 and 31. Now to make back that, <laughs> now to make back that money. <laughs> I, I can't fathom $60 million. No, not at all. Well, let's talk about a league that hopefully is not losing $60 million, and that is the USFL, which I believe is entering into their final week of the regular season. We're getting heading into the playoffs. So, Darren, give us an, a USFL update. Yes, we are heading into the playoffs this week of uh, September the 17th. Or, um, goodness gracious, where in the world would September come from? <laughs> this week of June 17th, this coming up Saturday, June 17th, will be the final week. And then the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs leading up to the championship game will, will take place on the 24th. And as of right now, sitting at 7-2, and two, 
your your Birmingham Stallions uh, with Coach Skip Holtz um, is is the only team that has secured a playoff spot. If it were to end today, the North uh, Divisional playoff would be the Philadelphia Stars versus the New Jersey Generals, and the South uh, Divisional playoff would be Stallions, uh, the Birmingham Stallions, Stallions versus the New Orleans Breakers. That's most likely how it would end up, but there's still a shot that the Gamblers could move their way into that second spot in the South, that the Maulers could move their way in to that second spot in the, the North. But that's all going to depend on how the games turn out this weekend. And then we'll head to our second championship, which again, you know, the USFL, uh, I think the original iteration of the USFL had two seasons. And then somewhere along the way, somebody decided because we've had two seasons, our third season will play in the fall and directly compete against the NFL. Obviously, that went well. Uh, and so they're still moving, trying to move forward and be the most successful version of the USFL. But uh, the first season went well. Uh, attendance has not been great for this season, but but viewership numbers have been up compared to season one year over year. So that's always a positive thing. So it looks like they're still moving forward, and we may end up with a Stallions versus Generals championship game again. It's looking like that it's at least a possibility. So who knows? Stallions and Generals. There sounds like go. something right out of history. It does. It sounds like it sounds like the uh, – here you go. Here's your throwback. It sounds like the title of the rule book for the game Stratego. What do you think? <laughs> well played. <laughs> It also sounds like the perfect segue into this week's ver uh, version of <laughs> this week's little, 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 little. That's all, folks. <laughs> it also sounds like the perfect segue into this week in sports history. June 16, 1909, Jim Thorpe makes his pro baseball debut in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Thorpe and his Rocky Mount team win the game 4-2. It was the first of two summers Thorpe spent with the team. Two summers that would ultimately create tremendous trouble for Thorpe. In 1912, Thorpe participated in the Stockholm Olympics, earning four medals. However, in 1913, after learning of Thorpe's two summers of baseball, the AAU decided to withdraw Thorpe's amateur status retroactively. The International Olympic Committee followed suit and unanimously decided to strip Thorpe of his Olympic titles, medals, and awards he had earned and declare him a professional. It was later discovered that the AAU and IOC did not follow their own rules for disqualification. Protests had to be made within 30 days from the closing ceremonies of the game. The first reports of Thorpe playing baseball did not come out until early 1913. In October 1982, the IOC Executive Committee approved Thorpe's reinstatement, and on January 18, 1983, the IOC presented two of Thorpe's children, Gail and Bill, with commemorative medals. Oh, thank you. Tonight is Game 5 of the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. What we thought was going to be a terrific series has somewhat become lopsided in Denver's favor. After Miami tied the season or the series 
at one game apiece. Denver then yeah. went on a run. They're up three games to one. We're watching uh, the game, and we'll keep tabs on it as we record, but we probably will not have a final unless somebody just blows the other team out uh, in the first quarter, which is very unlikely. But it's been a game. Uh, we talked earlier during right. our series. We talked about how coaches are really playing chess, and uh, Spolster from Miami played a wonderful game of chess in game two, yep. but the Nuggets have a great coach in Michael Malone, and he countered that. But when you look at this series and, and what, what I think has turned it so heavily in Denver's favor up to this point is the play of a couple of players for Denver. One of their starters, Aaron Gordon, has just played lights out. This is a guy that languished in the league when mm-hmm. he first came in. He was he was not in a Absolutely. system that matched his talents. He was with a team that didn't know how to use him. It, it looked like this is going to be one of those stories of a guy that had all this talent. He never panned out in the NBA until – Denver comes calling. They're like, you're perfect for the system we want to run. And now he's just having just the best season of his career. And also the bench play of Denver, guys like Christian Braun and others are showing up big time, which is typically what you expect from Miami. What what are you seeing in this series? Why why is Denver up 3-1? And does Miami have any chance of getting back in this thing? Well, you know, honestly, I can't see a scenario where Miami does have a chance to get back into this thing. However, you know, the one uh, apparently the one benefit that is coming up for him, them, is their next couple of games are going to be on the road. Uh, and, <laughs> and they, for whatever weird reason, in the last two series have done really well on the road and horribly at home uh, in, the, in both the final series and the divisional championship series. I don't think they're the conference championship series. I don't think they've won a home game. Mm. which is kind of odd, but, uh, you know, I, I, I almost say that jokingly, but I guess stranger things have happened. But at the same time, even with that being said and the fact that they have played better on the road, I just don't, when you watch the movement of the two teams, uh, it, it just seems from every angle the Nuggets just have the advantage whether it be through scheme, whether it be through strategy, whether it be through just raw talent. Uh, it, obviously, the Heat has some good players. I'm not saying that they don't. But the advantage, it seems to be advantage Denver in every scenario. And it doesn't seem to matter which end of the floor it, it it's on. You can just see Denver having the edge. Uh, and I don't see a scenario where Miami that it would be very shocking if Miami were to come back from that and I think it only one of of several times of a very few times that it has happened to come back from 3-1 and win a series um so that that in and of itself is against them but as fun as Miami has been to watch at times and, and as good of a story as they've been I, I just don't see a scenario where they can get the upper hand at the level they need to on Denver to, to win this Miami is getting good news tonight. Tyler Harrow, one of their starters, is supposed to to be back for Game 5 tonight. He was averaging 20 points a game when he was injured in April. He's finally set to make an appearance tonight. Will that make a difference? We're going to wait and see. But definitely uh, some positive news for for Miami, and and maybe – Maybe they show up and and, and shock everybody tonight with a win. Who knows? Yep, could be. Well, did you hear that, Darren? What was that? Do you hear that? Can you hear Peyton Manning right now? (laughs) Omaha, Omaha, (laughs) Omaha. 
<laughs> I was about to say, no, I can't. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but now I do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the super regionals are over except for two of them. Uh, we're waiting on the results right now between Stanford and Texas and Tennessee and Southern Miss. But hmm. the rest of the teams are set for Omaha. Here we go, Darren. Here we go. Tell us who is going to Omaha. Well, you know, like you said, we're waiting on Stanford, Texas, Southern Miss, Tennessee. I believe the Southern Miss, Tennessee game in Hattiesburg is scheduled for 7 p.m. Uh, some sometime in July. <laughs> I think is when they're finally going to be able to get that in. Uh, that's I've never seen as many delays in any one series as that. That's well, them and Baton Rouge both have just had crazy delays. Uh, but the teams that are going, obviously, uh, LSU took care of Kentucky and, and did it in convincing fashion, which to me personally was a little bit surprising. I thought there were times where the LSU bullpen had been suspect and the Kentucky bats might find a way to, to kind of get a leg up. It just did not happen. I think anybody that said the words uh, LSU's bullpen and suspect uh, ate those words quite heartily <laughs> this weekend because their pitching showed no weakness in any kind in any way. Virginia outlasted Duke. Duke gave it a good run, won the first game, but uh, just just couldn't couldn't finish it off. Virginia won the next two. Oral Roberts beat Oregon, so the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts are headed to Omaha. Uh, won game two and game three, so three uh, backs against the wall. It really was incredible. TCU and Florida both won their um, their series, their super regionals uh, handily. Uh, you know, I honestly expected South Carolina to give Florida a little bit more. I, when truthfully, I expected Indiana State to give uh, TCU a little bit more. I really thought that would be a closer series. It'd probably be a three-game series. Uh, and then, you know, Wake Forest, goodness gracious, they did what Wake Forest does. You know, the game two score uh, to get them into get them to Omaha. The final score was twenty-two to five. Mm. So in two games, they outscored Alabama 27-9. to um, So all of the hope we had of a really neat Alabama story for this season, uh, Wake Forest uh, put that to bed with absolute ease. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was not going to be an issue for Wake Forest. But, uh, you know, looking forward to Omaha – uh, and, and the games as they start, you know, when you look at the bracket, you've got uh, Wake Forest as the number one seed, and they'll be playing uh, whoever the winner of the Texas-Stanford game is. LSU will be playing the winner of the Southern Miss-Tennessee game. Then Florida plays Virginia, and Oral Roberts plays TCU. Uh, I think, you, you know, when you look at Florida's division part of the bracket, to have Virginia, Oral Roberts, and TCU, I think that sets up really well for Florida. At the same time, whether it be Texas Stanford or Southern Miss Tennessee, I, I think I think that bracket sets up pretty well for LSU. I don't mean to be dismissive of, of Wake Forest. Obviously, their bats can get alive, but it is just not a good thing. You want to be anything but the first seed when you go <laughs> number one seed when you go into Omaha, and, and and I think that that curse is just sitting there waiting on Wake Forest. It would not surprise me. When you have Florida with pitchers like Huston, Hurston Waldrop and LSU with pitchers like Paul Skeens, uh, it, you know, I mean, you got guys that have a 1.7 ERA that are averaging, you know, Paul Skeens is averaging almost two strikeouts per inning. Mm. Pitching through the SEC, 
pitching through the SEC almost two strikeouts an inning. That's unreal. I, I think that kind of pitching with bats that can get alive, you know, in any given time, those guys can roll off four or five home runs in a game. Mm. When you've got bats that can take on that kind of life with that kind of pitching, to me, it would not be surprising at all if we see a repeat of, I think it was 2017, and Florida and LSU are in that final three-game series um, to decide who's the this year's College World Series champion. I think that very well could happen, Darren. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The games will start Friday, June 16th. The, the early game is Oral Roberts and TCU. That's game one. Game two is Virginia, Florida. And game three will be the winner of Stanford and Texas versus Wake Forest. And then the nightcap at well the nightcap at seven o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock our time, <laughs> game four. When you're our age, that is the nightcap. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my wife and I go out on date night. We're back by seven thirty at night. We're like, Woo, that was a long night. Wow. Woo. You know, I remember a time when I was young enough that I made fun of words like blue plate special. And now I look for it. <laughs> LSU will play the winner of Southern Miss and Tennessee in game four. So that's the lineup for Friday and for Saturday, the opening weekend of the College World Series from Omaha, Nebraska, where, what do you think, any chance of hurricanes? I don't think in Nebraska, uh, not since they got rid of Scott Frost. I think everybody <laughs> had an onside kick that resulted in a hurricane maybe or <laughs> Will the fans from Baton Rouge need to be taking winter apparel with them? Well, you know, I guess even the summer is cold in Nebraska compared to Baton Rouge, right? I mean, <laughs> they might be the only people in the, them in Florida, you know, Florida too. Mm-hmm. They might be the people in the stands with the uh, with long sleeve t-shirts on. <laughs> we have one more surprise for you. Darren, tell us all about it. Well, you know, during championship season, whatever that sport may be, championship basketball, championship football, uh, we have even NFL championship with Super Bowl, we, we usually try to have a, a championship menu. And uh, we, we talked to JT Jazzy Chef about it, and he was all in. So he has provided us with a uh, Omaha, Road to Omaha championship tailgate menu. Uh, that has three different components. It has a broccoli salad. Yes, you heard that correct. A broccoli salad, but it's not your typical broccoli salad. You're going to be glad you, you, you looked up this recipe. If you haven't made something like this before, it will be a hit, even not at a non-tailgate event. It will be a hit. Is it fried broccoli? Uh, then, it is not. There's nothing fried. It is it is prepared and served cold, but you know, that's not a bad idea. There's got to be something you could do with fried broccoli. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't even know if frying can help broccoli, but that's just me. That's that's my my two cents worth. Is it served but, with a crawfish uh, sauce on top? There might be an etouffee. No, there's not really. <laughs> <laughs> but it does have cranberries. Oh, this that's sounds something you don't see coming. Yeah. Be sure, uh, depending on what age you are and how your stomach functions, to be sure you're near a, a restroom if you should try oh, yes. this. That's right. And maybe go slow. Small <laughs> spoonfuls first. Maybe that's the first. <laughs> we're, 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 we keep showing our age. This isn't good. <laughs> it's getting worse. You're right. Uh, <laughs> and then also uh, we have, um, in addition to the broccoli salad, we have uh, poor man's burnt ends, mm. which involves quite a involves hot dogs, barbecue sauce, 
uh, a barbecue rub and smokers. Ooh. Really, really a smoker. Really incredible. And then we also have game time brats. And I can tell you, we often talk a lot about how great the recipes look and how good they are. Um, this is one that I have been there uh, and, and, and been a part of the process. Stood beside the uh, the skillet as they as the brats were made with all the different ingredients going in, and then had them at a tailgate uh, during an October Vanderbilt ball game because it was a part of an Oktoberfest uh, themed menu that uh, JT was having at, at his tailgate that, at that time. So mm. these, I can tell you, I have personally had. You will be blown away. Just follow the recipe; they are beyond incredible. So we've got all three of those. Any one of them individually would make you a tailgate party hit. And if you're hosting something, all three of them are, are quick, easy, but, but very, very good. You will definitely, definitely enjoy them, and the people that come over will as well. Sounds delicious. I think Yes, that, they definitely are. I think that JT, we must take him down to Baton Rouge on a Saturday for tailgating. I think he'd fit right in. Oh, uh, I think he would absolutely. If you he love would, food. He would... St- he would start out loving it and end up cooking something for say he was telling me about a graduation party he went to um, a couple of weeks ago and they had a big kitchen that that he is like kind of his dream kitchen and he would just like told people just go buy stuff I'll cook it come on and he like ended up entertaining the entire graduation party and he also threw us out and said hey some of these recipes you can find on these guys blog and and threw us out a uh, an advertisement as well, which was very well appreciated. Mm. But he ended up he ended up being the star of the party. Just told people go buy stuff and he'd cook it. So, so tell our listeners again where they can access these recipes. At the, uh, on any of our shows for the show notes, if you click on see more at the bottom, there'll be a link to our link tree, and the first thing that comes up is the blog page that has all of JT Jazzy Chef's uh, recipes he's given us from day one. So there are a ton of different options on there for any tailgate gathering that will make you the star of the party. I can guarantee that. So mm-hmm. you, you can find those. Just get, click on see more on the show notes. Click on our link tree. The very first thing is the uh, blog uh, menu page, uh, and you'll have access to all of those. They'll be right there in front of you. I love the fact that JT is so willing to share these recipes with us. Yes, it's very awesome. Very much so. So thank you. Thank you, JT, for being with us from the very beginning and that's right for making our experience of watching sports that much more enjoyable with your delicious recipes. Absolutely. We also want to thank you, the listener, for sticking with us episode after episode, even in the dry months. That's <laughs> right. Basically, when college football is over, basically. Well, you know, we, do have, we do have a good run with March Madness. I was going to say, we do pretty good through March. That's right. <laughs> Remember, when you do listen to us, if you would rate us, if you would share the show with others, that would mean a, a lot to us. New yes. episodes drop, you know, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. You've heard that. A million times before and of course you can listen whenever it's convenient for you on whatever platform you choose to listen to but we we just appreciate you listening whenever you listen yes. and, and and if you haven't rated us please go ahead and do so we will be back next week with more sports news and an update on what's going on in omaha hopefully we'll have an nba finals champion by then and we're getting closer and closer to college football just around the corner 
Uh, to give you an update on Game 5 of the NBA Finals, Miami is up 5-2 to two over Denver in the first quarter with about nine and a half minutes to go. Is it too soon to call this game? I don't think so. <laughs> not, not my thoughts on it. <laughs> Until next week, y'all take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. See you next week.